0: All right, let's do this. How's everyone doing this week? That's great. That's great. I didn't even give you a chance to answer, but I know you're doing great. Welcome to this week's episode of our podcast, Is Breakfast Included? I want to start off by saying thank you to anyone who ordered one of our shirts from our merch store. Is breakfast.bigcartel.com. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, if you did order one, send us a picture. We might post it. Never know. Might give you something else, too. But probably not. We're broke. On the show this week, I sit down with a bona fide legend, Mr. Doug Pinnick of the band King's X, one of my favorite bands and probably one of your favorite bands. Even if you've never heard them, you should check him out. Doug answered all my questions from their humble beginnings in Missouri to being labeled a Christian band to being Christians and then getting out of that whole scene to doing what they do. They created an entire genre all their own, and just about every band that came after them kind of bit their shit. But he's not worried about it, man. Doug knows who he is. He answered all my questions, including a couple of questions I've always wanted to ask him since I was a little, little child. And he got a kick out of one of them. Uh, I had a lot of fun with him, and I'm even more big or bigger Whichever one of those two is gram- grammatically correct, I'm a bigger fan of his now. All right, let's check it out, Doug Penick. So, how's it, it going? Says
1: man? we got it. I have no complaints. The world is ending, and and nothing's ever going to change, and everything's going to change, and everybody's worried, and we don't know what the next second's going to bring, and so why are we wasting our time? Okay, that's how I'm doing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: If you can fix it uh don't worry and if if you can't fix it, why worry right?
1: You know it just kind of makes sense at this point because there's so much the, the information that we are given is so much now where the access that we have to information it is just terrifying, yeah, yeah, and uh and everybody's running scared yeah or or like chickens just pecking at the ground looking for anything to fight over, you know, yeah, um. Anyway, that was deep, <laughs> rock and roll, right? <laughs> hey, what a, we can
0: only go up from there. Yes, you can. Hey, so you're in L. A. Correct? Yes. Did you guys get? Were you part of the L. A. that got snow yesterday?
1: Nope. Um, I mean, I can drive eight miles, and friends are under <laughs> snow. But, um, yeah. The thing about California is like it's always been told is you can you can go skiing. Uh, at nine in the morning and go to the beach at seven at night uh, and go go swimming and it's the same thing it's like there's parts of the country that are 10 feet under snow and we're here got the sun shining and ain't nothing going you know everything is fine we had a lot of rain yeah um, which we needed we've been we've had a drought for the last five or six years so we we have more water than we need and when the next uh rain whatever that rainy thing what do they call it the the atmospheric rivers there's another one coming in like a week they say that when it rains though then we're going to flood because we've got 10 feet of snow up in the mountains that's got to wash down through through the valley so yeah. we'll see what happens you know? you know yeah i mean it's like it's it's yeah I, I i look at life this way live from day to day but be prepared
0: yeah yeah i was out there do? in uh september we were mm-hmm. out there doing some shows and the first the night of the first show it rained heavily and the cats at the venue were like, This is the first time it's rained in months.
1: Yeah. So it's it's crazy. Yeah.
0: Um, hey man, what took you out to LA? You were in Texas, correct?
1: Yeah. Um, LA's a place to be. Where else is it to go? You know, if you want to make music, you want to network, you want to hang out with everybody that you know of this is the place you know it's expensive as hell but um living in texas you know being there for 30 years now it's like everybody grew up everybody got married everybody had kids all the bands the way we used to hang out and do things was gone you know it was like you know new generations coming and i was getting older and not a part of it anymore and just felt like there's nothing there for me in houston you know, I mean, it's just another city. It's not like got this huge huge music scene or a place where you really want to go. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, it, you know, if, as they say, if I lived in Austin, it would have been a little bit better, you know, because Austin, like I know everybody there, too. And I, I used I used to hang out in Austin a lot. And I love I love the musicians and all the stuff that goes on there. You know, Sixth Street, you know, every uh, Friday and Saturday night. Uh uh, they lock off six Box on Sixth Street, yeah. and people are in the street all night long. And there's just every every five minutes or every every few steps, there's a bar, there's a band playing. You know, yeah. Well, it's like like Nashville. You go down Nashville, it's the same thing.
0: Yeah, they're on um, Broadway.
1: Um, but uh, you know, L.A. seems you know I like L.A. better because it's there's there's no scene here anymore. You know, that's over. Uh, but um, everybody. That I know lives here. and everybody comes here. You know, this is just a place. This is the meeting place of the of the artists. I think <laughs> right I love on. it here. I, I love it here.
0: I would ask you what the difference is between Texas and L.A. Are, but I I grew up in Corsica. Yeah. There, of course, yeah
1: I, oh, okay. Well, then you probably have the same. Oh, do you live there still?
0: No, I live in uh, New Jersey now. But I I oh, was okay. Texas well,
1: all my life. Okay, we probably well, we might have similar stories, but I grew up in Chicago, and then moved to Texas when I was almost 40. Uh-huh. So, so, uh, I gotta say, California and Texas, how do I say it? Is as simple as possible in Texas, you can't walk into a Walmart. And people don't stare at you and look at you weird if you don't look like them or act like them. In California, nobody is a fogger. Yeah, and and you can take those two uh, opposites and then pull the layers of you know, like an onion. Just keep pulling them away, and you'll see the difference, the prejudice, the attitude, the the open-mindedness the you know, I mean, when I walk down the street here in the neighborhood I live in, in Lake Balboa, it's, you know, it's a lot of white people and, you know, there's no policeman riding around, pulling me over, asking me, what am I doing in this neighborhood? Which happened to me all the time in Texas or, you know, I, anytime I saw a policeman, I was getting pulled over. Yeah. You know, I mean, if I'm riding down the road and he comes out behind me, He's gonna pull me over. Don't if I drive a mile, I drive the speed limit. Do what I have to. He'll figure some way out. Here, I look over at the policeman. They ain't even look at me. They're on their phone. Yeah, yeah. I, but I, if, I, if we if we call for a policeman, there twenty of them are here in a second. You yeah. know, I mean. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I, even little old ladies, you know, in Texas, uh, a little old lady walked by me and grabbed her purse. Out here, a little old lady looks up at me and says, "How, how you doing? It's a nice day." Exactly right. You? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I always tell people, uh, you know, I, I grew up in Texas. I'm from Texas. I love where I'm from, but I also hate where I'm from.
1: hmm You know? Oh, yeah, because you're Texas proud. There's something about coming from Texas. You're not an American. You're a Texan. And yeah. I get it because I lived there for a long-ass time, so I became a Texan. You know, I I, you know, I remember I was watching um, something, America's Got Talent or something. This little kid was on there about four years old singing – And it was really high pressure. And the kid wasn't the greatest. And they had to tell him. And he was crying and I sat there thinking, man, his parents, man, why do they do this to him? Why do they push this little boy to do this? Oh, I can't believe it's going to, you know, and then they says, where are you from? He says, Dallas, Texas. And I go, oh, it's from Texas. And all of a sudden it was like different. And and that was that was a moment when I realized you're a Texan Douglas. And I was out here in L.A. when that happened.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, let's uh, I'm going to get into a few questions. First of all, man, I've wanted to talk to you for several for about a year now. I've been reaching out and, and props mm-hmm. to Tony Pranero
1: who hooked us up. Tony, uh, awesome. I love Tony. He's a great guy, isn't he? Oh, you're the one. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, um, ain't any, I ain't looking at I hate looking at myself because it's backwards. Yeah. And so I'm always pulling the wrong way to yeah. get this right. Anyway, I sorry, I have sorry. a problem
0: looking at the camera. Like, I'm always looking Uh, down.
1: Yeah, I'm down, too. Look, at there I am looking stupid. Hey, were you looking at that ghost down there?
0: Right.
1: They should Uh, have the camera right there in the middle. They
0: should have it right here in the
1: middle of the the screen. You know, why don't they? They could. Mm -hmm. These things are designed
0: to follow us all around, and they can't put a camera that catches you looking at it.
1: Um, No. I think that they saved it for maybe three more Issue upgrades, yeah. Because so they got to keep. It's all about making money. They they <laughs> probably have it. They just decided. Well, we, let's do this in six years. Yeah.
0: Well, man. Uh. First of all, I'm a huge fan of yours. your Kings X. Um. I got into you guys when I was about 16 years old.
1: um Oh. These, uh,
0: <laughs> I, I'm gonna be honest. I'm, these this is this is I wanted to I've I've followed you guys for a long time. But uh, I got into you guys because some Christian kids. Turn me on to you guys.
1: Ah mm-hmm. so um
0: they were Bless telling me this Christian band, but you guys didn't sound like Petra or or uh you know um Baring mm-hmm. Cross or any of these other I don't want to say they were cheesy Christian bands. Cheesy, they were cheesy Christian, Christian bands. Yeah.
1: Most but, Christian uh, bands are cheesy. You guys like I just resu- couldn't, I couldn't resurrection think... band. Huh? Go ahead. Sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't like your music was so progressive and it was I mean there were Religious undertones in the lyrics,
1: mm-hmm, uh, yeah. you
0: know, but you guys were labeled a Christian band for a long time,
1: yeah, we still are still, yeah, I mean, people that really never kept up with us, I do interviews all the time and and it always comes up, and you know it's it's always has coming up from the time we started making music, mm-hmm. and um you know and. <laughs> You know, I, I look back now and go, I couldn't change a thing. I don't, wouldn't want to change a thing. But I have learned a lot from them about how, you know, what you do and, and how it affects the people around you. Mm-hmm. And for me, uh, being in the Christian music world, I was really done with it after playing with Tokagi. You know, I was, I was one of these believers that just believed everybody was supposed to be perfect. And all you did was sat around and praised God and prayed and read your Bible. And that's all you did. Yeah. I mean, that was the way I was, the Jesus freaks. That's all we did. And when I got around these rock bands, I'm going, they're like everybody else. They cuss, they drink, they smoke, they do these things that I'm told I can't do. And, you know, and I'm going, what's going on? And, and I saw egos. I saw people hating on each other and stuff like that uh, on some of these just big Christian bands that were selling millions at the time. And and at that, and I we did. Festival at Oral Roberts University with, when we were we were playing with Phil Cade and Jerry and I was. And so you can imagine uh, it was an evangelical festival. So mm-hmm. it was, I mean, from there was every major Christian band was there, but Bill Gaither probably. But I mean, it was big. And that's where I saw the machine. And then we played... With Morgan Cryer, before that, before we got a record deal, we were Morgan Cryer's band, and he was like the new up-and-coming Teeny Bob Christian guy. And so we went out and played as his band, and we did Heritage Farm with Bill and T- Jim and Tammy Baker. And going to that place, it—I that was the first time I thought, now this is must be how Jesus felt when he went into the temple. Cause dude, I had never seen so much Jesus junk with dollar signs on it in my life. It was the it was the tackiest, the cheapest. There was Jesus wine, Jesus makeup, Jesus soap, Jesus, anything you can think of. There was Holy Spirit, this or that. And it was it's like a band merch a, table. No, it was it was a band merch table that was as big as Walmart. Wow. That's what I'm saying. It wasn't just a little, little place. I mean, this was this was Heritage Farm, I mean, this was the Walmart store of Jesus junk in the, on the the, the compound with the hotels and mm-hmm. we, you know where all the people come. So I don't know if you remember all that, but it was a pretty big deal back in the day because they made a lot of money. It was on you know on TV and stuff. But anyway, through all that. Um, when we left Phil, which was not because of anything religious still let us go, We just rocked too hard, and, and the Christian world couldn't deal with us. I mean, we went out with uh, Morgan Cryer after that, and they wouldn't let us come back. They said, Morgan, come back, but don't bring your band, because they felt like we were in the flesh. Because, I mean, I had a Mohawk. We played like King's X. I mean, we came out there and stomped your brains, and kids are going, this is a Christian band, you know, And and the pastors didn't want us back, and so at that point, um, we, even before that, we really had agreed, the three of us said we were not going to be a Christian band or do a Christian things ever again. And we haven't, I mean, even when, uh, Cornerstone would have wanted, they always wanted us to play and it would have been huge, you mm-hmm. know, but, but we said, if we do that, then we're, we're branded and it's over, yeah. you know, and, um, and the thing about that was I did not want to be branded. I just wanted the people to like the music that we made because we made good music.: I didn't want that Jesus name on it because I knew that put, put, put that Jesus name on it, and all of a sudden, you're only going to play for the people. Yeah. you're going gonna to have to sing the things that they need want to hear because they're not going to let you say anything that's really going to ruffle anybody's feathers, you know? Yeah. And, and I'm a, you know, I think all three of us in the band are, are severe, have a f- severe uh, fear of being controlled. <laughs> Cause you know, if you come in and try to steer us this way or that way, we'll resist just to resist, you know? Yeah. Um, We're, we're pretty hard. Um, But we learned that. And, and, you know, so, so when we did come out, it was cool because Christian kids were like losing their minds. And we were the I remember people telling us that that we were the the uh the conversation for a lot of the youth groups. Are they Christian or are they not? And for me, it's like I wanted to write about my faith, but I wanted to write it in a way that was innovative and didn't sound Christian. Just yeah. didn't sound Christian. Yeah. And and the biggest inspiration of that was when I heard you uh, too, uh, October. I yeah. listened to that record and, and Bono sung about his faith at the top of his lungs in an elegant, beautiful way that the world listened to and learned from and actually, you know, found love. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And I'm going, now this is what you're supposed to be real. Yeah. Just be real. And um. so that's what King's X set out to be. And to our to our achievement and to our faults
0: but you guys uh you guys all came up in a christian background right
1: no ty and jerry uh ty and i did okay. we grew up christian all our life jerry did not grow up in a christian family at all he got saved when he was about 17 yeah and I did um too. i was i, I was brought uh, up mm-hmm. in a very
0: like bit of different type of christian the, the type yeah. of christian that you do whatever you want all week but on sunday it's going to be okay <laughs>
1: oh that's that that's 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 the black religion. That's a, I grew up in the black gospel church yeah, most of my life, and that's the it was. Dance with the devil on Saturday and go to church on Sunday and ask <laughs> forgiveness. Yeah. And then but I, but I grew up in an all-white town. And uh, well, that was all white, but I mean it was like 1% black, couple families. But uh, most of the kids were Catholic. And so there was a Catholic church on the corner and they all went there. So I mean, I, I, you know, every Friday, most of the kids in my class brought fish, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, because you don't eat meat on Friday. So it's like I've been around religion my whole life and uh, and I've had questions and no one could give me answers. They just told me, believe, just believe. And I'm going, I'm not that kind of person. You yeah. got to show me something. You know, I just I ain't like that. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think I don't know where point, we're going with we, that. But. We, yeah, no, I think at some point we uh, our eyes open. Like I know, um, good people who are call themselves Christians, that are really good, good hearted people.
1: And some of my I best people, friends.
0: So I know, see, so I know Christians mm-hmm. who are fucking terrible people.
1: Yes, you know? yes. I, I say it like this. Some people ask when they we talk about musicians and somebody say, I can't believe somebody's an asshole. And I'm going, wait a minute, musicians, just because you're a musician doesn't mean you're this person. It's like musicians are like everybody else. There's assholes yeah. and there's nice people. There's nice Christians, there's bad Christians, there's nice pastors, there's pastors who, you know, are narcissists and all only want your money, you know, and yeah. we, we see them every day. Only thing that pisses me off is I just wish I could stop them. But then you go, but these dumbass people believe this shit. I know. At some point in my life, I said, well, they're just going to, that's their life. It ain't mine. Yeah. yeah. So what are you going to do? Can't right. save the world. I finally realized I can't save the world. Yeah. I um, have that. I, I, I'm, one of, I'm one of those type of people. And I'm, I wear the world on my sleeve. I'm thinking I can go out there and save it in the back of my mind. Some of us are like that. I don't does that keep you weird. up at night? Um. It It keeps me thinking a lot. Yeah. A lot. You know, even about politics. It's like I would even run for run for president, but I don't feel like dealing with what I'd have to go through to do it. Because yeah. it's like I look at I I I'm I'm a you know, I, I try to look at the world in, in two ways from both sides. I mean, not just kinda, but I mean dig down in it. If I've got friends who are left, I want to find out why. You're a mega and what you believe and what brought you here, because I know you're not a horrible person, but you believe this stuff. So what is it? Yeah. What is it? And how did you get here to help me understand this? You know, and instead of, you know, I watch this guy, this politician, he's a he's a Republican. And um, this guy is so right on about things that it's kind of scary because he he divides the truth left and right, and he's right. And, and nobody likes him because of it. And even when he argues with someone from the left or from the right, they don't hear what he says. They're arguing with things that they think. And when he gives them the facts and says, you're right on this and you're right on this, but you're wrong here and you're wrong here. Mm-hmm. And they won't listen. No. And that's the point. It's like nobody's listening anymore. They Nobody wants to reason. It's like they don't care if the sun came up just because you said it came up. I'm gonna say it didn't. Yeah, and I'm going. Uh, how can you? How, what has convinced you that the sun's not up there? Tell me. Help me. Help me to not see, so I can understand. That's all yeah. I want to do. I truly not believe anyone. that there's a there's a far
0: right, and there's a far left, and everyone in the middle is can is seeing things for what they are, and they can see the most right, of the us right. are in
1: the middle. Most, most of us, us in the middle. And I, I think. I've
0: heard the, the saying like the loudest one in the room is the weakest one in the room. It's true. And so you're looking at both right and left.
1: Yes, and and it's uh you know one bad apple doesn't spoil the whole bunch. And mm-hmm. I'm from from both sides. There are people that I'm going, you know. It, there's a lot of these issues that I'm down the middle on. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, you know, it's like I I feel anybody has a right to change their sex because they believe that they're a woman. That's their right. But I don't I don't believe that you should let your child do it until he's eighteen. He knows she knows what they're doing. Just yes. they can wait. We have to wait till we can drink. Yeah. We have to, you know, and it's like a nurture them, love them, you know, and, and help them to transition into it. But let's not just make these blanket laws, because now we find out there's some these kids that have gotten it gotten changed and all of a sudden their lives are terrible and they don't want to be that anymore. And now yeah. hormones have fucked them up and now they can't go back. That's not fair either. So ev- yeah. what my, my point is everybody has a voice. How do we how do we give everybody what they need, and convince them that this is what you need? You don't need to change your sex at five, you know. Change it when you're eighteen. I didn't know about sex till I was ten or eleven. You know, I know that I grew up in the fifties, so I was I was late. But <laughs> but the the point is, you know, it's like I'm an old fashioned person. You know, it's like I I feel like let people develop
0: mm-hmm.
1: and grow into wise old adults. You know, and give them the chance. Yeah, let them learn. Let them guide them gently. Guide them in love and care. You yeah. know, and um, well, that's a thing of the past. So, yeah. next, <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, man, I've got a couple of questions. Uh, mm. King sex always had this this uh, shroud of mysteriousness about them. Uh, yeah, from from Ty covering up his petals so nobody could <laughs> see what he was doing. Yeah, you know? but I'd heard these stories that in between albums or tours, you would just go on these walks, like Kane from Kung Fu, and like these spiritual walks to. to
1: <laughs> is that true? I love it. Oh, love it. Okay. <laughs> you no know, so good. That's a good one. I got to remember that. Okay. Here's the, Here's the deal. Every I used to talk about. I've uh, a certain period of my, my life. Um, Around the dog man, the, the well, the first four or five, maybe, maybe at least four. Yeah, up to dog man, I'll say that. No, up to ear candy too. Okay, I live in an apartment complex, and there was this place a bayou, you know, down in Texas. You know the bayous, and and so I used to go walking a lot. I like to go walking. I, I, it helped me think. And the thing was, back in the day, when I I, I smoke weed all the time, but I'm pretty chronic on it now, but back then I'd, I'd wait till the evening, mm-hmm. and, and 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 you know, being doing what we did, I didn't do anything but stay home all day and write music with my four track. And I would write songs all day, and then around four or five o'clock, when I was sick of the songs, and it was like, "This is crap. Why? Why am I doing this?" I'd roll a joint, go for a walk, and I'd walk out the house, and about three blocks, I was at the edge of the city, uh, uh, and then there was just nothing but fields. And in the bayou, and it was the electrical thing, big electrical towers that went by, and you're out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And so I would go out there walking, smoke the joint, put my headphones on, make a cassette of the song, and hear it. And when back in the day, when I hit that joint and get high, everything changes, and I could hear it for what it was because it was like, you know, my ADD just and and I would hear it and see if it was a good song, or it sucked or what I needed to do could change it or whatever, you know? And so that's where that came from. And on, on, um, what is it? I take the longest walk. They always do me good. I just control myself and dog, man. Yeah. Somebody asked me about that song and yeah, it was about walking and thinking about things. That's where I ponder when I walk, if I'm listening to music or just thinking or, or talking to the universe or God or just trying to figure things out. And the other song was um, uh, One Morning Walking Down the Street Where Nobody Walk." Oh, yeah. What was it? God, uh, uh, World Around Me. That's the other song. You know, I mean, literally, that's what I'm doing walking down where nobody walks. Nobody can hear. I heard a sound so clear the world around me. I remember I was walking down the pathway and I didn't have music on and I started hearing just the noises of everything and I just stopped and I closed my eyes and I listened and f- after a, about 30 seconds the world had a pattern and it was a sound and it was just it, it was the most incredible thing I'd ever heard and, I, and that was the first time I realized that everything has music. You know, and uh, and um, so, yeah, so world around me, that's what that song came from. So people ask me questions, you know, and I say, you go walking a lot. And I go, oh, yeah, I used to do that a lot. I have—I don't do it. haven't done it since I got here in California. But uh, I did it every night. I watched the sunset. Another thing, too, is I, in the lyric, I watched the sunset every night and everyone was best. I always would go walking when the sun was coming down and I had a time, even as the earth shifted you know, I go out at 5, 5.15, 5.20, you know, I knew when the sun would go down. I'm really cute to the way the earth moves because of that. Um, and so, yeah, I go out walking and that was a perfect time. And so, yeah, I guess I did write about it and talk about it. And so if you talk about things, people always hear what they want to hear and embellish it. And so yeah. that story is pretty cool. So-, <laughs> so you'll have to remember that I will. That's, it's, it's that real. whole thing <laughs> that
0: you know. You, you write a song, uh, it means one thing to you, but it means something to a thousand, something yeah, different to a thousand to this,
1: people. God, he's this guru. He goes out, goes for these long mar- mar- marathon walks. Like yeah, they made it when sound when they, like you just walked the enough. earth.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my God. Now I know people have done that. They've gone up to, to Tibet and met with monks and hung out with them and stuff, but I don't, I don't think of that shit, you know. And I'll ask just another religion to me.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, find yourself.
0: <laughs> Where did the King's X name come from?
1: I hated that name. Sam Taylor uh, came up with that name. His brother's band was called, uh, called King's X in the 70s, and they right. never got a record deal. And uh, we were called Sneak Preview at the time, which sucked. We were called The Edge at first, and we, we were together for like four years. And then our other guitar player quit, Kirk. And um, we decided to stay a three-piece band, and we thought well, let's change our name uh, because there was a, I saw a record in a record bin, a band called The Edge. So I'm going. There's a band out there called The Edge, and this is before YouTube. Yeah. Um, and so um, we changed our name, and we couldn't. The three of us, when it comes to having to decide on a name or something like that, we can't we can't do it. Uh, somebody just has to have the coolest thing in the world. And everybody goes, I like it. Or we'll just talk about it for hours and hours until it turns into so stupid that we can't get an answer, you know? So we were trying to make up a name for a a new name. And we went around the block with so many names that we ended up with Sneak Preview because we were just tired of arguing. And we knew it. (laughs) And and so our first three-piece gig in Springfield, Missouri, as a three-piece, all our friends were there. You know, we got we have our small little band base in town and we come on stage and go we have a new name and Jerry does a drum roll and I go we are called sneak preview nobody clapped. We did a whole set, whole new set of songs three piece. It was probably one of the worst gigs we ever did. Jerry's best friend came up to him and said, dude I feel sorry for you. But we rebounded and you know we we worked it out. But when we got to Texas, and we did all the things with Morgan Cryer and work with the Christian record label and stuff. And then met Sam and we got a record deal. Sam said, Look, you can't be called Sneak Preview. You gotta have come up with a name. We couldn't come up with a name. And so Sam pushed King's X and we finally gave in. You know, it was like we didn't want to, but it was like we couldn't think of nothing else. Nothing seemed to work. How do you rename yourself? You know, the edges to me was our name and that's it'll always be that. So uh <laughs> Yeah, so we changed the sneak preview, and I hated it, and now it's, you know, I'm used to it. So you've learned to live with King's X. Oh, yeah, it's just like my name. I used to think Douglas Theodore Pinnock was the stupidest name. Mom, why would would a black woman name her child Douglas Theodore Pinnock? You know, and now I go, I like my name, Doug Pinnock. It rolls right off the tongue.
0: (laughs) I looked up King's X, and it's a British term for timeout. Yes,
1: yes. (laughs) and it's used in texas is it yeah if you're in a room and everybody's making a lot of noise and it's chaos you know up north somebody whistle they put the two fingers in go you know mm-hmm. down in texas texas you cross your fingers go king's axe king's and everybody shuts up yeah and I and i saw it happen once where a person did that and everybody and i went it's true because we didn't know if it was the truth or not sam told us that story and yeah, we, we had never seen anybody in Texas do that. Right but so, but it was done one time.
0: So you you guys, um, I mean, your albums you listen to "Out of the Silent Planet." Gretchen, I mean, the harmonies are there. Mm-hmm. Was that always there from from day one? Is that something you guys really focused on?
1: Because um, we, go, didn't fo- we,
0: we'd we didn't go see guys we live, and they were
1: there. Well, we didn't focus on them. We never did focus until Sam came along, but we we always harmonized. I, I remember I pulled out an old Edge tape back in 82 when we had Kirk playing guitar with us, and we were doing Talk to You Later by the Tubes, three-part harmonies, just nailing it. I mean, it was like I sat there going, whoa, I didn't realize we were doing it even back then. You know, so what happened was when... Uh Kurt left, we didn't have three parts anymore. So I, I sang, mo- I, I wrote most of the songs at that time in the early days. And so I just sang them. And, and Ty would do harmonies if you felt like it, but it wasn't a big deal. And then when we started writing new songs and Sam Taylor came in, the picture when we moved to Texas, he really um, pressured us all to sing a lot. And Jerry didn't sing. And Jerry didn't like to sing, didn't want to sing. Mm-hmm. So so Sam made Jerry sing. And that's that's what made who we are. But people want to say that it was Sam Taylor that that made us all sing. No, we always sang. You know, everything I wrote, I had harmonies going and tied it, too. We've always been that way. Ty loves the Beatles. And he always loved it the way John and uh, uh, Paul used to do their harmonies. He always used to talk about it. And uh, I grew up in choir at church and in school and was the whole time I grew up before I even played an instrument they taught me chords and how to sing parts and you know and I used to sing in contests as a little kid so you know I knew all that stuff and show tunes and how to construct harmonies it just I was just one of those kids so it was fun so you know that just became a part of King's X um I think that the cool thing about you know, hooking up with these guys is we're, we're adventurous. You know, they don't say no to anything. We'll give it a try. You know, no matter how crazy it is, we'll go for it. And that's what I love about those guys. They're not uptight about that. Um, my music teacher told me in college, I did one semester of music, music theory in college, and then I quit. The first thing he said was, if you don't remember anything from this class, remember this one thing that all rules in music are made to be broken. So now let's learn. Mm-hmm. And that's something never, I never forgot. And that's a part of everything I write is break the rules. That's why everything I do has a little twist to it because I, I just, I can't, it's, I got to put my mark on it. Like a dog. I got to piss on it. You know, <laughs> I just got to do it. Uh And, and I think, I play with two guys who like that. I don't know if they would do that or not, but we we uh, we have grown into it, you know, of just yeah. having fun. Now, when I, I remember when I met Ty, I'd go over to his dorm at college and and he'd always be playing records and playing along to him. He'd play along with Then Lizzie, no for no. Then he'd put Dixie Dregs on there and, and all of a sudden he's going, and I'm going, yes, he was 18. And I'm thinking, this guy can do anything. You know, let's play you know and um and and playing and Jerry played with Phil Cage and uh we w- that's where i met him and I, I i wasn't didn't know a lot about drums been, back then when it came to exact speeding up slowing down or, yeah. you know what's really going on i just grooved and um and everybody kept saying what do you meet this drummer man and they just described him as this amazing the same stories you hear now about Jerry and I had never seen or met Jerry, so I remember going into rehearsal, and we did the whole set of Phil kagi And then after we got done, Greg Vols from Pet, uh, from Petra, who was the singer of the band at the time, came up and says, "What do you think of him? Isn't he amazing? Oh my God, he's just incredible!" And I kind of went, "Okay," I, <laughs> it, I it it just I was oblivious. I really was to to any of it. Um. But I remember when Phil left, I said, hey, let's stick together. And he goes, okay. And we've been playing ever since. And I do appreciate him now. And I get it. I really do. And I'm thankful for it. (laughs) But uh, in the early days, no, I didn't know. I just wanted to play with him because I liked him. Tied too. You know, we didn't, we're just young kids who, wide-eyed, thinking we'll get a record deal and be as big as the Beatles. (laughs) And you got your record deal. (laughs) Yeah, we did. Several. And, you know, and we're and we be and we're called legends. If that's and so you know we can't argue with that. No matter what happened, you know, some when somebody calls you that, it means something. You you affected somebody. So you yeah. know, at the end of the day, we can go with that.
0: Um, Jeff Allman has fucking said that you guys invented grunge. I oh, love Jeff. Around that time, I I never saw you guys with with grunge bands. I saw you guys with Anthrax, Motley Crue. Like you guys did a lot of rock. There was no
1: there was no grunge. Grunge you know? came Allison Chains came out at what ninety? Ninety, yeah. And a bit Oh maybe. oh okay, so we had two records, three records out at I that did. time. Yeah. Okay, so there was nobody drop D tuned. Mm-hmm. It was just us and Soundgarden was doing some drop D stuff in Seattle. You know, on sub pop and the Melvins were tuning down, too. But there was this little pocket up there in Seattle with all these other bands calling themselves punk. So they're doing this thing because I've talked to Kim Phelps about that because um, because Ty showed me drop D tuning in 85 and Kim showed Chris Cornell drop detuning tuning in 85 and on our first major records. Uh, King's X and Soundgarden, Altomega, okay. The first songs start out with this weird noises and. And then the riff comes out. King's X dropped the tune. Soundgarden was. Something like that. What was it? it was, yeah. So it was hands. up. No, it wasn't hands all over. What was it? Anyway, if you put the record on, it was like the same. Band. And I remember Soundgarden came to town when the right before that record came out. And our record had just come out, and my roommate was working sound at this little club. And he called me up and said, Doug, there's this band from Seattle playing. And they kind of remind me of you guys. He says, You come down and check them out. And I didn't go. And I said, Oh, man, bring, if they got a tape or something, bring it home. And he brought it home. And it was the the, the one before ultimago okay or was it ultimago okay i can't remember now so i didn't still didn't get it because they were kind of doing a thing that we were doing like retro everything i put that first record and i'm going what the fuck were they thinking and then i go well I'll put a king's x record on first record the same thing we were, were you- both band. Both bands were out there. I mean, we were channeling Black Sabbath and and the Beatles, and the Soundgarden was channeling Black Sabbath and the Sex Pistols, and you know, it was like just a new thing that was happening. So anyway, um, I do believe though it it was us that kind of introduced drop D tuning to a lot of musicians, and then when Allison Chains came out with the drop D. And we knew them. And we played in Seattle before all that happened. Jeff will tell you the story. And Richard Stewart, he said, when we came to Seattle on our first record, he said, everybody came to see us because nobody ever came to Seattle. And he said, and all the bands in town hated each other, but they all came to see us. And they didn't, most of them didn't even know much about us. He said, they were all there. You name those bands that are grunge bands. They were all there. Jeff named bands. I met Allison in Chains there. They gave me their demo. I met... Uh, the some of the guys from Mother Love Bone because there was no program at the time, yeah. Um, you know, so it was like when that we, demo you know, that Alice in Chains demo was very glammy. Um, the demo was glammy when they gave it to me. I'm thinking, wow, this is weird. And then the record came out, and the first song I heard was "We Die Young," and yeah. I'm going, there <laughs> it is. I remember when I heard it on uh, on uh, MTV the commercial, and when I heard it, I'm going, okay. I gotta go buy this. It was at like midnight and I went to the music store and bought it because I I had forgotten that I had met them and knew them at at all. But it was so familiar, the music was. It was like, this is kind of us in some ways in the dark. And I remember that uh, even um, uh, Kerrang called Alison Chains, King's X in Hell. And, uh, but you know, they brought their thing. They brought, they they took a, you know, they took an influence of us and spun it in a whole different way from all their influences and what they listened to and brought it to the world. And from that point, I think that's when everybody started dropping tuning. Cause Allison Chase fucked everybody up. When that record came out, there wasn't a person's head that didn't turn to that. Oh, yeah. And go yeah. because they brought it down to ground zero. Kings X was doing this complicated stuff that was over people's heads. But I wasn't just came down and said, no, Kings X, you got the right idea, but let's bring it to the kids. Yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah, scary's in town. Yeah. And we're it was over. <laughs> it really was. And, and saved my life, Jesus Christ. I'm going, I'm going, listen to this song. This is the Christian song that I wish I could have written. <laughs> I'm thinking, what if I had written that song and put that out on the first record? Oh my God. You know, so, you know, and I love that, Ben Me and Jerry especially played the shit out of Alice and it we still do it. You know, and, and Jerry told me this, I said, to, I told Jerry one time, I said, man, Man, we played the shit out of you guys back in the day. And he says, We played the shit out of you guys too. And we just cracked up laughing. Yeah. And it's well, I cool, saw that. I, I'm
0: sure you're familiar with Dallas City Limits. I saw you guys mm-hmm. there with Galactic Cowboys. I went to see uh, Extreme there on their mm-hmm. resize Ever story. And Allison mm-hmm. Chains was the opening band. Yeah. And I remember um, me and my friends were like, What the fuck
1: is this? Yeah. Like, Did you like them? Oh, man. Yes. Good. See, they played the night before that. In yeah. a shithole, shithole club in Houston, I went to see him. There was twenty people there. The stage was so low that the twenty people standing in front of the band, you couldn't see the band. Okay, I got we got there. There was nobody watching Allison Chains, and 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 I watched them. I I sat at the bar and watched them. I mean, ten steps and it was the stage. It was like yeah. that small. And um and when they got done playing, me and Lanny started drinking. And Extreme came on and the and the kids stood around the stage and we couldn't see the band at all. And the only time you saw Gary, the singer, was when he stood on the drum riser and you could see him. And then he'd be on the floor again singing. And so me and Laney just sat there drinking and got drunk. And yeah. then and, and we've been friends. We, you know, we were friends ever since. The whole band, you know. yeah. Um, yeah. And then, and, you know, like Laney said to Jerry one time, he says, keep writing great songs so we can keep ripping you off. <laughs> and um and he and I think it's gonna rain, you know. He said, dude, I'm doing you. I think I'm gonna I yeah. am going. I said, dude, you're doing better than me. I can't do that. Yeah. I couldn't. I, I I when I put it on, I tried to sing along to it and I couldn't. he had a powerful voice. He had a dude, great range. Music. Oh yeah. Such a great range. Jeez. So
0: on that on that subject, man, you guys you called you said that you're called legends, which rightfully so. Um, you're respected by your peers, other bands, your fans. of stuff. You guys have some of the craziest fans. I'm one of them.
1: Bless your heart. <laughs> I've been Thank trying you. to
0: get a hold of you for a year.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Well, it was, and I, I actually easy. know people who know you.
0: Yeah, because I'm easy.
1: I mean, Mike, well, yeah, I see him all the time we go on tour. We, <laughs> you know, all he had to do was say, Doug, you know, I mean, just that's what Tony did. T- yeah. Doug. I don't want to bug you, but you do me a favor. It's a friend of mine. He wants, he does a podcast and blah, 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 blah. And I go, yeah, just set it up. Let's do it. It's like what we do. Yeah. We got so nothing else to do.
0: You've got all this respect from, like I said, your the peers, the, the fans. Um, in my opinion, you've never gotten a lot of respect from the industry. No. Like, you know, what would you rather have?
1: Um, would you I rather have
0: the industry backing and in, in the millions of dollars, or this fucking real legacy that you have?
1: Yeah, I, I, I would. I would love to have both. <laughs> Good answer. But you can't. You can't have one. You, you can't have both. And and if I had that, if I had, if somebody, if if there was a God and He says, "Okay, I'm going to pull you out and say, if you have a choice, which would you take?" I would take the path that I've taken because I'm settled. yeah. At 72 years old, I, I know who I am as best I can, and I'm okay with me now. And, yeah. and and it took me 70 years to be okay with me. And that's what drove me to be me, and, and, and made me who I am, and drove me to do what I do yeah. in, in, in what I did. And without that, I don't know what I would have been, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, if, if I, you know, childhood growing up, you know, everything, everything matters when you end up doing, becoming obsessed with the thing that you do. Yeah. And, and so I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing. Uh, I, I what was not going to say though. Um, if you'd rather have, yeah. One. Yeah. Well, the thing is, the thing is, I wouldn't change a thing because I'm okay. Uh, financially too, not rich. I live from month to month like everybody else, but, you know, I can write lyrics out and people will pay me. I put a new record out, people will buy the record just enough. You know, I've made, I've written enough songs where, you know, every six months, a royalty check will come in. It might be a hundred dollars or more, maybe a lot more. You never know. But you don't know, but it always comes, and that's yeah. what I'm happy about. Is like it's finally coming. It always, it's always going to trickle in. The, the what we've done, there's always going to be somebody buying bits and pieces of it. Just like mm-hmm. ACDC's Back in Black, you know, people don't stop buying that stuff, it, and and that's the legacy of doing what a musician does. I try to tell a lot of musicians that too. It's like you don't get paid till you die. And I'm, I'm not saying it. Don't mean it that way. I say it as as a laugh. But you yeah. get paid late.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, it's like it. The you know after everybody else gets paid, then you get paid, and it you're takes last a while.
0: on the list. Even though you're you're doing all the work,
1: just like your house, just like your business. Right.
0: <laughs> um, I got a couple of questions. You brought up earlier Texas. You know the the racism you faced when you mm-hmm. were in Texas, and you you also came out as gay early on was there any backlash within the industry towards you first of all no you were you were a, a black man playing some of the <laughs> most progressive music rock yeah. music there was around you you started a genre all your own you know nobody sounds like king's ex nobody. <laughs> people people may you know bite your shit here and there mm-hmm. but nobody sounds like you guys like i said ty with his mystery pedals and
1: <laughs> yeah. you know,
0: jerry in the pocket It and the harmonies. Um
1: I was the only black kid in my grade school when I graduated. Mm -hmm. And when I when I moved to the next city, which was thirty miles away, and when I moved in with my mother, I moved into a black neighborhood uh which was about four blocks long and I went to a brand new school and it was maybe twenty percent black kids went to school. So I just never really was around the culture. Now, I have 300 relatives. I mean, no, I'm black. I know how to be it, and I'm <laughs> used to it. But, uh, but you know, my life was always, you know, just geared to the people that I hung out with all the yeah. time and what we did in rock and roll. And what happened with rock and roll was um, Jimi Hendrix came along, Band of Gypsies, Funk, Parliament, Funkadelic, 71, 70. And I'm going. Okay, this is the kind of music that I want. I'm a black man playing funk music on twelve. That's what I want to do. And I was there. And all of a sudden, Jimmy's gone. Funkadelic goes goes uh, uh, disco. And and all of a sudden, everybody black turns to Ohio players and Commodores. And I'm sitting there going, "What happened to the the power?" the black power, yeah. you know? And all of a sudden, this, this white kid comes over my house and puts on a Led Zeppelin record and says, check this out. And I heard, dum, 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 dum. and I went, that sounds like Booker T and the MGs on 15. Mm-hmm. I'm in. And and as far as I'm concerned, I play soul music, heavy fucking soul music, you know? And that's the way I look at it. And, and it might be Pog, it might be this, it might be that. But to me, it's just hard soul music.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so did you ever experience any backlash? or?
1: Oh, yeah, the question. I went around, I went, I, I God, I want no, to no that's the box fine. on that one. Okay, no, here's the deal. I feel like Mike, Michael Stipe from, from uh, R.E.M. They asked him a question one time, and he said, so um, uh, have you ever had any trouble, you know, backlash about being gay? And he says, well, I never talked about it. I never... Thought about it. I just figured everybody knew and just didn't care. And that's where I've always been with it. Um, I didn't actually come out. What happened was this Christian magazine started talking about stuff, and I got tired of it. I got tired of the bullshit. And I said, I'm just going to just throw this at them. Mm -hmm. I'm gay. That's what I said. And uh, and they put it in the book. The Christian bookstores banned King's X Records. And um, it was over and we celebrated because we said, "Now we don't have to deal with this. Yeah, we can go be ourselves. And uh, I was OK with that. Um, you know, growing up in, in the 50s and 60s, oh, yeah, I struggled with it. It was a big part of, of my depression. But um, Ty and Jerry found out and they said, we love you and we don't care. And we never parted you know uh uh, but uh everybody else in the band left that worked with the band and everybody they were all christians one person said god told me not to come back in the house and 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 sleep here in my room because you're gay Mm. i mean it broke me down it was my biggest nightmare because i knew back in the 80s if you came out with christians Mm. oh you were going to get murdered Mm. and and uh my the people that were around me did that. Uh the handful of close people that we work with, but the only two people or three people, the person who told everybody I was gay, I apologized too, Because I told him not to tell anybody because I told him he was one of the only people that ever knew. And he he just kept bugging me and bugging me and I finally told him, This is the reason why I act like I'm depressed. Or this is the reason why I ain't married or whatever, you know because he was always so you're a mystery, I don't understand you. You know, and um, so yeah, and um, but after that, like I said, Ty and Jerry, I actually went out the back door of my house and ran to the to the park. I jumped on my bicycle and took off crying, and I remember that um, the other guys in the band that worked with the band took off to a gay bar to see if I had went there. I didn't know there's a gay bar in Springfield, Missouri. You know, it's like, it's just, it's so bullshit, you know, the bullshit. And I look yeah. back now and go, yeah, it was. And, you know, they've all apologized to me. Yeah. They all have. And, and we've hugged And and a couple people even had tears. He is dude. Remember back then? Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I had, you know, and they're really sorry. And that's, that's a true, that's a true Christian. Cause they're all still believers. Yeah. And they've all told me, I love you. And I don't care. I've grown up done." And they'll yeah. tell me that, you know. And so so you you know, just um, but anyway, other than that, I got nothing from anybody else. Most people don't even know. If, you know, if some if I see it in an article somewhere, somebody go, I didn't know he was gay. Some go, I love Kings. That's why I, love, I didn't know Doug was gay. And they go, You didn't know? where you've been under a rug, and then all of a sudden keep talking about stuff. Or somebody'll go, Man, that's terrible that they they banned the records when he when he came out. And somebody else will come on and go, Man, but they didn't ban it when he wrote, I think I lost my faith looking for love. Cause I was singing about not being a Christian back in the early days. And they kept you know, they weren't listening. The and that that's the hypocrisy of it all, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Of that of that aspect, you know. I, I've I've i stopped being so angry at the church and blaming everyone.
0: Yeah.
1: When somebody said, Why are you so mad? I said, I threw the fucking baby out with the bathwater. Okay. Don't so hate me for it. And I walked away. <clears throat> And, um, you know, I've had to revive that baby in some ways and nurture it, and accept it. Um,
0: uh, <laughs> uh, we were talking about Lane's voice. You have, uh, quite possibly one of the most recognizable voices. I mean, your range ain't nothing to fuck with either. You know, thank you, you filled in for, um, Corey Glover. Mm-hmm. Let me color it because he was off doing a Broadway thing. Have you ever been asked or have ever been interested in doing something like that? I think you could do it, man.
1: <clears throat> well, I've asked to join Kansas when Steve uh, Walsh quit. I was asked to join Deep Purple when, uh, what, in 88, uh, Richie Blackmore called me up and And then Living Color asked me to do that for them, but this was just a week of Mm -hmm. shows, and I said I can do that. (laughs) But I told those other guys, I'm "I'm not, I don't want to join you, and I can't be me. That's the whole point. I was in King's X. It's like I'm not going to sing somebody else's songs and deal with the backlash and everything. And besides that, I would, I didn't have the confidence to to say, oh, I'm just go up there and nail Smoke on the Water. I probably could, but I didn't care, (laughs) you know. Why would I sing that? So, um, yeah, I've been... Um, would you consider it, doing it, it, something it,
0: like it, a Broadway,
1: if if it was a... I, I, was asked, I was asked to do Jesus Christ Superstar after Corey, and I watched what he did and said, no, never. Um, this is not what I signed up for. I'm mm-hmm. not an actor. I'm not an opera singer. I'm not a person. I've done it i tried it no i have tried all those things because i grew up as a kid singing show tunes and i i i, I uh sang in contests uh, contest and stuff you know blue moon and stuff like that you know i mean I'm, this was the 50s so so i i listened to a lot of music back then and we uh where am i going with this i'm spacing out here
0: and why you wouldn't take a why you turned down the broad uh, Jesus Christ? Superstar. Oh yeah, okay. So I
1: did that. Okay, so I did that stuff. This is the perfect in-
0: conversation because uh, okay. I do Thank the same you. thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay,
1: because I, I, I kind of did that stuff. I was in the play in school, high school, Brigadoon. And I did all those things, and I remember that I did it because it was a part of music and a part of what I did. Because back when you're young, you just do it all,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know, and try to be the best you can at it. But I noticed that it didn't. I didn't gravitate to it. And then I remember I was. 18 or 19 I think it was and this group called the Spurlos came to town and they were like a a group called it was kind of like it uh, things called upward people where they would take a bunch of kids straight out of high school and put a band together and put a bunch of singers like a boy girl band like it was like uh, just a bunch of people and they usually went and played schools every day they Mm -hmm. would set up and do this whole show And what this group did was they would go to schools and play a a thing and we'd do the pop tunes of the day and we'd dance and sing. And there was like eight singers and a whole full band and we're all like 20, 21 years old. And being in that, I joined it and got in it. And um, after six months, I said, this is not, it was, we had to, we we, was choreographed. I mean, yeah. we were doing choreographs and singing, and we each had our own wireless mic, and we and it was eight of us who sang, and it was like it was just crazy. And uh, I actually left early, and uh, uh, <laughs> and I got back in another band. Said uh-uh, I ain't doing that no more. So, so that that is the biggest reason um, I will not, I I will never do anything that I don't want to do. Yeah, you know. And-
0: Another thing about you, man, is uh the 12 string bass. Like that's become people see a 12-string bass, and the first thing they say is <laughs> panics. You know. I
1: love
0: it. I love it. it it's, become, I, it's become part of your sound.
1: Well, it isn't it isn't. People don't realize is that I use the 12-string on a little over half of Faith Oak Love. And the 12 string on three songs on the fourth record and the 12 string on one song on dog man and i haven't played that 12 string on a record until pray for me which was on xv Mm -hmm. um the thing the reason people think that uh, that 12 strings is a big part is because every video that we did in the Early days, Sam made me play that 12 string. Oh. Even though the 12 string wasn't even on the song. Sam said, bring your 12 string. I go, dude, I didn't play 12 and I go bring it anyway. Come on, you gotta keep that image up. I'm going, okay. And I was like, and, and another thing too happened was when we played Jon Stewart, right after Woodstock, um, uh, when we, we played Dogman and Jerry counted it off and give me a dollar and my bass stopped working live on TV. We stopped and I didn't bring a spare because we were only doing two songs. And so, but my twelve string was there. So we gra- I grabbed the twelve string and played Dogman with the twelve string. It was the hardest thing in the world to play that song with the twelve string. <laughs> and so when you watch when you if you ever see the dogman song on Jon Stewart, I am playing a twelve, which made everybody think I'm playing a twelve on it, but I'm not. My bass tone is just has the, it has its own sound and people think it's a twelve and it's not.
0: Yeah. He got a lot of high. You you have some high end. It's not lots cool. of high Basically, end. Yeah, you know, <laughs> but at the same time, it punches you in the face. I was yeah. listening to Dog Man the other day, and I'm like, How do you do that on a twelve? <laughs> now, <laughs> now, now I know. Now you I know. It
1: was only a four. Yeah. <laughs> um. That's what, what we were. What does X we... have coming up? Um, well, we're just you know touring when possible, and. You know, playing the record as much as possible, and other than that, that's it. You know, Doug um,
0: Pinnock have coming up.
1: Doug Pinnock has KXM Grinder Blues, a new solo record. I'm even thinking about putting out a bunch of old demos that I wrote years ago on a four track for the fun of it, just for fans. You know, limited edition. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just like doing what I do. In fact, this is what I do. It's just. Hopefully, right hopefully, um, hopefully we're going to make another Doug pedal and, and put some new features on it. We've been talking about that. That would be nice. And that's with um, uh, Tech
0: 21, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm excited about that, too. You know, yeah. And the pedal is what works. You know, nobody's going to, amps are pretty expensive, but those pedals, everybody's got a rig. But you yeah. take my pedal and plug into your rig, then you can make it what you want it to be. It won't be Doug anymore. You know, know, you can get Doug if you want, but you can you can put it in your pedal board, you know, with the rest of your stuff. And I have to like, check one out then. And, oh, I love it. I was talking to Robin to Giulio's son uh, a couple weeks ago. I went to see him play and I said, man, you got my pedal? He goes, yeah, it's in my it's in my pedal board. He says I, he's in he looked at me, he said, he says, I use it now and then to get that get that distorted thing, you know. And then he puts his head down, he looks up and smiles, and goes. I use it a lot. <laughs> it was so cute because <laughs> <laughs> I got one for uh, Robert, but Robert couldn't play it because Metallica is locked into all these endorsements and shit. Yeah, and he said, "Doug, I love you, pedal, but I can't. They ain't gonna let me use this." You know, we got we got all this stuff going. He's he's in the machine.
0: Yeah, that was a problem. And Jeff
1: he joined the band because he was a Warwick guy, but they yeah. were endorsed by ESP. He had to change everything. Yeah. And Jeff Aymer was the same way. Jeff bought my pedal, so he wouldn't have to. I mean, I'm not saying he did it on purpose, but Jeff bought the pedal. He didn't say, "Doug, can you send me one?" He yeah. bought it, and um, and which was perfect because it didn't make me obligated to say, "Well, can you say something about it?" Because yeah. that's what I hate. And and a lot of times, companies want you, the, the artist, to go to your friends and say, "Oh man, would you tell people about my new pedal?" And I'm going, no, I want them to talk about my pebble if they like it. I don't want to go ask them. I hate it when somebody yeah. says, can you say something? Give me a shout out about my new thing. And I'm going, that well, pro know, quo. I, yeah, it's like, <laughs> well, what if I think it sucks? And then you lose your friend. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, man, I could talk to you all night, but I know you're all. And
1: I can talk all night, too. So he's terrible. Yeah.
0: But um, thank you for doing this. Thank you for taking. Thank you for. Uh, the, the the miscommunication understanding that earlier
1: <laughs> oh that's okay it's it's that's what happens you should see, i I am um slightly dyslexic and have a d d so everything for me is um it's a challenge that's okay. why I, Alex has to text me right before because I'll forget i would i didn't i got it on the calendar on a note there, and I was doing my thing today and I got this message from Alex says dude, you know you got your thing in five minutes I'm going, oh fuck. You know, hook everything up, you
0: know. Man, my podcast, it's called Is Breakfast Included? And I like I, it. Thank you. If it was included, we were having breakfast right now, Doug. What would you have?
1: I would probably have some uh a couple eggs over hard with some sausage and bacon.
0: Thank you so much for your time, man. It's it's been it's it's an honor to talk to you. It's an honor to have it's, you on. It's the
1: show. Awesome. And uh like I said, I yeah,
0: hope uh, you do cross paths. We will. Take care. Have
1: a good night. May the group be with you. All right. Bye. <laughs> Peace.
0: Doug Penick, King's X. If they come to your town, please, please, please check them out. You won't be disappointed. Again, thanks to everyone who ordered some merch. Is breakfast.bigcartel.com. Thanks again. Have a great day. We'll talk to you next week.